If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings, the 6th chapter. 2 Kings 6. I want you to to just um, follow me as I read two verses of Scripture, but I'm going to come back to this chapter and cover several more verses, but just for the sake of time and you standing, I'll read verse 16 and 17 of 2 Kings 6, and then in a few moments we'll come back after you're seated and read a few other verses before and after these two. Verse 16 says, And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Isn't that good to know? And, And it's good to be reminded of that too. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Amen. I want to talk to you for a little while today about the progressive dimensions of faith. The progressive dimensions of faith. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing and worshiping and encountering the presence of God thus far in the service. Amen. Being told something and actually seeing it for yourself is two very different things. Whether this is someone telling you about beautiful scenery or an exotic destination or even an intentional shift in our individual perspectives. This week I... Uh, went to the mountains for a day. I didn't spend the night. I just got up early and drove to the mountains one morning and did some hiking. In fact, I hiked about 12 miles up to, I don't know, near 12,000 feet, 11.5 or so, somewhere in there. Did about six miles in and six miles out and uh, enjoyed... The scenery. It seems like this summer I've done that uh, more often than I have in the past. And I've been a few times to those uh, elevations and hiked numerous uh, different trails. And and it's been interesting uh, just to observe the Rocky Mountains from a a, a different uh, vantage point. And if you know much about the collegiate peaks, then those... That area there is where I've been several times hiking in and and out. I can tell you how pretty. In fact, I I have pictures on my phone from at least three trips that I've taken in the last couple of months to the mountains and and places I had not been before in the state to see high-altitude lakes and streams and uh, 
above the tree line, some outcroppings. And this week when I hiked in, I was on my way back out and I, I had uh, taken a little time going in to set in an area and glass some hillsides. And coming out, I, I was looking while I was walking and I saw a waterfall that I had not seen when I hiked in, and I was sitting right in that area for a, a good amount of time, and I stopped and took a picture of some waterfalls that I, I didn't even notice when I first uh, went in a couple of hours earlier. I can tell you about the Rocky Mountains, but unless you see some of those things for yourself, it really doesn't matter that much. I can tell you about... Uh, the Grand Tetons. I can tell you about the trips that we've taken to drive up to Yellowstone and the things that there are to see there. I can tell you about the Blue Ridge Mountains because we lived in those for about 10 years. The Smoky Mountains. I can tell you about the Sierra Nevadas because I've skied those areas. I can tell you about the Alaska Range because we've been to Denali and a lot of the mountain range there. I can tell you about the Cascades because we've been there. I can tell you about the Adirondacks because we've been there and spent time at Lake George in upstate New York. I can tell you about the many different mountain ranges that we have here in North America because... I've been there. But if you haven't been there and you haven't seen it for yourself, then you're just having to take my word for it and live vicariously through the experiences that, that we've had. I can tell you about Hawaii, an exotic destination. I've been there maybe half a dozen times or more. First time when I was quite young. And uh, different times taking trips across the ocean and on the way back many times. That's a place that you have to stop off. And I've stayed a day or two and visited various islands there. I can tell you about places in Europe. I've been there a few times and many countries and visited a lot of those countries. I can tell you about Asia. I can tell you about going to the Philippines or Singapore or Hong Kong or or. Thailand, or I, I can tell you about a lot of places because I've been there. I've seen those things. I've experienced those things. I can tell you about the Caribbean. I can tell you about uh, Baja. I can tell you about the Middle East. I can tell you about a lot of places. Tell you what it looks like. Tell you what I experienced when I was there. But if you don't see it for yourself, it's not the same. It's not the same. I can tell you about overcoming. I can tell you about overcoming self-doubt. I can tell you about overcoming fear. I can tell you about defeating negativity. I could talk to you about ignoring criticism. We could, we could discuss and I could recommend that you don't allow yourself to be trapped in small-mindedness. I could talk to you about willingness to accept some people are willing to accept sameness. Sameness. What a horrible trap to be in. It's always been this way. It'll always be this way. Sameness. I can tell you about those things. But if you don't see overcoming for yourself, 
If you don't see defeating self-doubt and negativism and criticism and small-mindedness and all of these other things, if you don't see it for yourself, it's not the same. Amen. I grew up in a home where possibility to succeed was evident and not only in a personal way, but deeper realms of the Spirit were encouraged in our home and we explored those things on a regular basis. That's just the way I was raised. I, I was raised in a home where weeks didn't go by, months didn't go by, days didn't even go by, barely hours went by that my parents weren't praying or laying their hands on me or quoting some verse to me, or opening the Bible in front of me. Days didn't go by. Hours barely went by. Our living room was filled with prayer. My parents' bedroom was filled with prayer. My room was filled with prayer. Not because of me. My sister's room was filled with prayer. Not because the two of us were great prayer warriors, but because my mother and father would on a regular basis walk through the entire house pleading the blood of Jesus and at all hours of the night and day you would, you would wake up with their hands on your head praying over you. That's my reality. I can tell you about being raised in that home. I lived it. I saw it. I experienced it and they were constantly encouraging us to explore the boundaries, the boundaries, if you will, of the deeper things of God and the move of God's Spirit and what God uh, would have in our lives. And, and so uh, I'm going to talk to you for a little while based on some of these things that we've already been discussing and I told you that this is going to be about dimensions, the progressive dimensions of faith. Faith. Faith is one of those things that seems to be so easily attained. It's just so easily attained when presented in most situations. But many times it's because the person that is presenting this or at least advising that we move toward faith or that we act in faith, many times the person telling us to have faith, they're not going through what we're going through. Come on, think about it for a moment. Everything in your world is falling apart and everything in your life and situation is about to go under and you talk to someone who's not in the situation and they're saying to you, you just need to have faith. You just need to trust God. You know, sometimes that's hard to swallow. Would you, would you admit that with me? That sometimes when you know they're not in your same situation, it's hard to receive that? It really is. Or you know that they were born with a silver spoon in their mouth? Or they have never walked the road of adversity that you've had to walk? 
and they're telling you how to get through it, just have faith. Then they've never experienced one moment of what you're going through. Not only are they not in it presently, but they have no clue about it, no experience in it. They don't even relate to where you are. And they're saying, act on faith, have faith, have faith in God. Listen, before I ever was up here, I was out there. And even though I'm up here, I'm still out there. I'm constantly hearing from others sometimes about situations that I'm in that they have no clue of and they're telling me, you just got to have faith. You just need... See, faith seems to be so easily attained until we're put into difficult situations. Like when we're not in situations, we're like, have faith, you can do it, you're going to make it. And then all of a sudden, when the pressure is on in our lives... It's sometimes hard to take that advice. Amen. Amen. Well, the other side of this is when the pressure isn't being applied or personally felt, it seems simple to believe that most anything of circumstance uh, can experience great change. When I'm not in it, it's easy for me to tell you This is going to change. Just trust God. But I promise you, listen to pastor, when I'm going through it myself, it's not as easy on the other side as it is. I'm not trying to live up here today. I'm trying to get where we all are and tell you that As a pastor, I want to be an encourager. I want to lift you. I want to encourage you to trust God, have faith in God. But I also want to be transparent and honest with you and tell you that when I'm under pressure in my life, it's not as easy for me either to just say, I have faith and it's all going to work out. Because I'm feeling it myself. I'm I'm dealing with it myself. And so, in our text here, we have a very unusual dilemma that uh, Elisha has found himself in. In uh, verse 11 is where I will uh, begin reading here in just a moment. But I want to tell you that Elisha is being used of God, and as he's being used of God... He is setting himself up for the uh, aggravated advancements of the enemy who he had been exposing their plan to the king of the desires they had to destroy God's people. And now the king, the adversary, is saying, listen, how, how are they finding out our plans? How are they somehow being able to meet us at every advancement? Is there somebody that's giving away all the secrets? Is there somebody that's talking to the king? And he says in the latter part of verse 11, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Who keeps telling him what's going on? And one of his servants said, None, my Lord, it's none of us in your camp. It's none of us that are against him. 
but king, it's Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel. He's telling the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in your bedchamber. He's telling the king what you're saying in private when no one is supposed to know. Now the king is like, go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he's in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night, and they compassed the city about. So Dothan is now overtaken by the adversary because Elisha is there, and they've surrounded the city because he's giving away the secrets of their plans to the king of Israel. There's horses, chariots, a great host, and they've compassed the city. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. Servant of Elisha walks out, and all he sees is the adversary surrounding them. Horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? He's like, hey, Elisha, uh, are we going to survive this? All right, now you may wonder why I've been saying all the stuff I'm saying. Well, it's it's coming right now, all right? Here's the revelation. Some of you are sitting in this place right now in the summer of 2020. Here we are, the first of weekend of August, and you're saying, are we going to survive this? Are, are, we, are we going to survive what's happened in the first seven, eight months of this year? And you're wondering about your job and about your family and about your health and about your country and about your future and about your beliefs and about... Here's the servant. Here's the servant saying to the man of God, how are we going to do? <laughs> is, is this the end? I mean, I have people asking me, is this the end, Pastor? I'm not God. Ask Him. He said, no man knows the day. No man knows the hour. No man knows the time. Why are you asking me that? I know you love me, but I'm not God. I don't know if we've got a week, a year, a decade, a century, a millennium. I don't know. But I know one thing. I've never seen it like this before. I'm looking around and I see that we're encompassed about by great adversary. On many levels. On many levels. I don't want to get too technical here. But, but, there, I keep tripping over carpet. I better quit worrying about being technical and just be safe. Amen. Marty, I need you to make a PowerPoint about this carpet up here because it's, it's, it's not working out. Listen. Horses, chariots, foot soldiers, all of those represent a different level of intimidation, force, 
what a foot soldier can do, someone on the back of a horse can do more, and someone riding in a chariot. So you, when you read the Bible, you have to understand there's a lot of levels here. It wasn't, look out there, we've got a problem. No, we've got a problem on a lot of levels. We may be able to defeat one, but then you have to deal with the next, and you have to deal with the next, and you have to deal with the next. You're just thinking about, I want to go to work and get home without getting sick. And then you have to think about, man, did I work enough this week to pay for my bills? Well, what if, hello? Hello? There's a lot, there's a lot of different things that we're, that we're dealing with right now. Oh, vaccinations are coming. They're, on, they're coming. They're in the pipeline. Great. Or are they going to put a chip in me? Hello? I'm just waiting on a a vaccine. I'm not really excited about it because I'm not sure who's manipulating things behind the scene that can assure me that the next level of attack isn't something that I can't recover from. Hello? (laughs) Hello? said, well, hey, are we going to make it? I mean, your kids may be asking you. Oh, well, what does my future look like? Are we going to make it? How, How shall we do? And here's what the man of God said. He answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Now, to my knowledge, he didn't walk out there and look at the situation and say, okay, there's 100,000 of them, and I think we have 150. He just knew that no matter what has come against us, we have a God that will always overshadow no matter the advancement and how great it may be. He looks at his servant and he said, fear not. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw him. Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Come on, God will match what the enemy puts before you with something even greater. I'd rather have horses and chariots of fire than human ingenuity on every level because our God is able to match force with force and He's able to overcome whatever it may be that is advancing against us. He said, open up his eyes and let him see something. And so he, he, uh, he sees now the young man that the mountain also had horses of fire and chariots of fire, if you will, round about. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord. See, just because he saw it doesn't mean or didn't mean that it went away. We think now, come on, I'm going to talk to you about the dimensions of faith. We think as soon as we see it, it's handled. That's not always the case. They saw it and still advanced. (laughs) You saw it and it's still coming your way. So they come down to Elisha. Elisha prays and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. Isn't this interesting? He prays for the servant to be given vision 
and he prays for the adversary to be blinded. Blind them according to the word and, and he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. See, the same God that can open the eyes of those who are submitted to Him can blind the eyes of those who are against the house of God and the people of God. I've come to preach to you today that God wants us to progress in the dimensions of faith. Don't just hear faith from me. Don't just hear me preach it. Don't just sit there and say, it's easy for pastor to say, They were smote with blindness, the Bible said. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way. He said, Hey guys, you came to the wrong place. <laughs> this is not the place. Neither is this the city. Anybody ready to say that to the devil? You've come to the wrong house. You've come to the wrong church. You've come to the wrong family. You've come to the wrong man. You've come to the wrong woman. I'm trying to get you to progress in your faith, to look at your situation and say, you should have never started a fight here. You should have never come to this home. You should have never shown up in this church. You should have never attacked this people. This is the wrong, wrong city, wrong place. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. <laughs> and he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass when they were coming to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw. And behold, there were, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha, when he saw them, you've got you to think of this. He literally led them into the presence of the king that they were against. He was being singled out at the beginning of the story as the guy telling all the secrets so the king of Israel could escape the plans of the enemy. So Elisha being the good middleman that he was <laughs> took them straight to the one that they had their grievances against. And he said, God blind them till I get them there. He was saying, why are you showing up in my house? I'm not your problem. Why are you... See, some of us need to realize... This is much bigger than you and I. This is much bigger than you and I. Come on, this battle has been going on for a long time. And it has much more to do than just with you and I. So quit getting so embroiled in the situation that you actually think you're the star of the show. You're not the star of the show. Elisha wasn't the star of the show. He was just the one they were trying to take it out on. So Elisha took them straight to the source. You know what you need to do? You need to start taking your adversary to the source that they're against. And he said, they hated me before they ever hated you. Why don't you start bringing the Lord into the situation and realize this isn't so much about you as it is they're trying to tear our God down. They're trying to tear our Savior down. They're trying to destroy everything that we represent. So why don't you get Him involved in the situation instead of thinking it's so much about you. I love it. He takes them straight to the king. <laughs> and when the king sees them, he says, my father, he asks the king, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? The king asked. And he answered, thou shalt not smite them. Elisha said, they're not even worth messing with. <laughs> Don't smite them. 
Wouldst thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with the sword and with thy bow? Would you, would you take advantage of a captive enemy, he's saying? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. <laughs> and he prepared great provision for them and when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria, listen, the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. See, when God settles the score, the way He does it may not be the way you and I would do it. Come on. You and I may act in a complete different way. We're like, are you kidding me? You're going to feed them? You're going to give them water? You're going to nourish them? They wanted to kill you. Can I remind you, no matter what you think about anybody, that Jesus Christ went to Calvary for every soul. You may say, my unsafe family, they're anti-Christ. He went to Calvary for the anti-Christ family member that you have. Well, their political views are not mine. And they need to be taken. That's why you're not in charge. Well, I would, well, they're of another political party. Well, their stand doesn't represent anything godly. He didn't die for the well. He died for the sick. He died. Well, they're atheists. He died for them. Well, they're of a different opinion, a different lifestyle, a different. He died for them just like he died for you. That's why the end of the matter is not in my hands or yours. It's in His. And how He deals with people will be the way He chooses to deal with them and not us. Anybody hear me right now? What I have to do as a child of God is have faith in Him that He will work it all out according to His plan and His will and His time when He gets ready no matter what kind of oppression you and I may have to come under. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. I'm preaching to somebody. Don't align yourself with things that are not godly. His ways are above your ways. His thoughts are above your thoughts. How can anything good come out of this? Just a few minutes before, the question was being asked, are we going to survive? And in just a short time later, they never came back to Israel again because God turned it all around. Why don't you leave it in God's hands and have faith in Him that He will handle it? Our God is not weak. He is not in a situation where He's oblivious to what's going on in our world. Come on, He is in charge of it all. Somebody ought to thank Him for that. Come on, thank Him for that. An overall observation of this, these verses that we've read The prophet of God seemed not to be shaken the slightest bit by the news we're surrounded. We're going to be like more like the Lord 
and talk about the kind of faith we have, then we need to be so adamant about the fact that no matter what comes in my life, God is greater. This is unprecedented times right now. But can I tell you, God is still greater than the unprecedented time that we're in right now? This man didn't seem to be shaken in his faith at all when you read over it. Knowing that, that his demise was in front of him if God didn't come through. God had a plan to defeat the adversary, but it could not be left up to Elijah. You and I just have to have faith in God that He will take care of it no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter what it seems like, God will still handle it. Well, quit worrying about the schemes that are against you and the plans that are against you. God is still on the throne. God is still in control. What stands out to me here in this whole story is it appears there was a lesson to be learned by Elisha's servant. More than Elisha's life on the line, there was a lesson to be learned for this servant. And this is why God allows the entire story to play out. I wonder if God at this time is trying to teach His servants something. I wonder if God's trying to teach the church something right now. And we've been looking at it at a different level. This is all about Elisha. This is all about this, that. This is all about Israel. This is all about Syria. This is all about... Maybe it's God has a lesson for the church and He wants us to start seeing things that we've been hearing about. We've been hearing have faith. Now He wants us to move to the dimension where we start seeing what we've been hearing about. It's the progression of faith. You hear act. That's what, that's, that's what Elisha said. He said, fear not. Those that be with us are greater or more than those that be with them. I've always heard that. But I believe as the church, God wants some of us to start seeing that there's more with us than there is with them. That's the progression of faith. So many people in the church have this one level of faith. And it's just that level that somebody else has got to tell you to act, move, and you need to start seeing the mountain for yourself. You need to start seeing the lake, the waterfall, the place, the overcoming, the living in victory and not negativity the overcoming all of the self-doubt. You need to start seeing yourself as a victorious child of God and not someone that's constantly being beat down and you're just doing everything you can to barely hold on. It's the progression of faith. You come to God and you just hear it from a preacher, a family member, some seasoned saint of God. But there does come a time when God said, I want you to start seeing and so the young man walks out and he sees horses and chariots of fire surrounding the adversary. Some of us need God to open up our vision right now and help us to see that we're not going under. He is still in control. Come on, clap your hands to Him. 
can I be forthright with you? Can I be forthright with you? Those that know what that means, just say yes. Those that don't, just sit there and stare at me. I'm kind of weary of the last 20 weeks or more of feeling like I'm trying to push you to have faith. In my spirit, I'm kind of weary as a pastor right now with trying to get some of you to start acting like you see what kind of victorious God we serve. Many of you have been living for God for some time now. You don't need to show up every Sunday. God forgive me if I make you mad. You don't need to show up every week and, how's pastor going to encourage me this week? How's pastor going to help? I understand where we are and I I have a bleeding heart for all of us and I'm going to do that, but I'm looking and believing that and waiting to see that God has caused some of you to see like you haven't seen before and realize this isn't the church's worst hour. This is the church's greatest hour. And if you're a child of God, you need to start living like you're seeing victory and not defeat. I want to lift you. I want to help you. I want to encourage you. But somewhere, you have to start seeing it for yourself so you can walk in victory. Cindy, I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm not worried about next week. I'm not stressed over all of this. The same God that brought us this far is the same God that will work for us when whatever comes our way. Start living like an overcomer that is victorious, that serves a God that has shown you He is still in charge of it all. He is still in charge of it all. I said He's in charge of it all. I want the uncertain times that we're in, at least for the people of Vertical. I want you to experience a new type of faith. Not a faith where I just tell you, have faith in God, but the kind of faith where you start seeing chariots of fire. You start seeing horses. You start seeing God has moved in And He is greater than your adversary. He is not forgetting about... You know what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7? It declares this, For we walk by faith and not by sight. You're not going to see those things in the physical, but you will see what I'm talking about in the Spirit. Come on. You'll see it by your next dimension of faith. You'll see it by your next level of faith. You won't walk out and say, Oh, I see angels all around. Man, if that happens, great. But I promise you, you'll do more passing out than you will do shouting. I just want to see an angel. Really? Anytime I read about God showing up or angels showing up, people fell out, passed out, fell down. They didn't sit down and have lunch. Well, I think this would be the greatest thing to entertain spirits unaware. Yeah. Oh my God. What? You may not see it in the natural, but you will see it in the spirit. You will walk in faith. 
You'll walk in a dimension when everyone in your family and everyone on your job and everyone you encounter were there trying to bring it all down and they're being negative about it all and they're stressed about it all. You'll walk in and say, but I saw something different. Hallelujah. I saw the Lord high and lifted up and I saw His train filling the temple. Hallelujah. I see a victorious God. I see a conquering Savior. I see a King that is on His throne. I don't see defeat in the church. I see God at work in the house. God at work in the house. I wish I could say everything that I have written down here, but I don't have enough time. I've got to stop. The one dimension of faith that we start out with is that dimension where we're speaking hope in the face and presence of fear and reality. This is what Elisha did to the servant. He spoke faith in the presence of the reality that the mountain was filled with an adversary. He spoke faith in the presence of fear. That's the first level. Pastor preaching. You're going to make it. God's going to bring you through. Have faith in God. God's able. That's the first level. The next level is that dimension where you start seeing in the Spirit and through faith the truth, hallelujah, that surrounding your adversary is a God that is greater than anything that has been planned against you. You're dealing with the same circumstance but you see victory instead of defeat. You're dealing with the same struggle, but you know God's coming through and you will not be defeated. Let's stand together.